grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. And happy Father's Day, by the way. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us. We're so glad that you're here today. There is a friendship pad that is near the center aisle on each one of your pews, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out. Whether you're a regular or whether this is even your first time here, I'd love to know that you're here with us today, and you can pass it down the row so other people can fill it out too. Our announcements are inside of the bulletin on this connection sheet. You'll see that our high schoolers, some of them are gone to San Francisco this weekend with Steve. They're doing some ministry up there. Uh, also, we have a new members class in a few weeks in July. That's a chance for an hour for you to meet with, uh, with Jerry and me and talk about the history of our church and what we're about here, ask questions, and if you decide you'd like to become a member here, you can do that within that one-hour process, too. It's a great morning together. Also, that you, you will see that we are having something different this summer. We have three opportunities that are called Ah which is at-home hospitality hour. It's a chance to get to know one another, and the menu is whatever you bring. As you notice there, bring a beverage, bring some appetizer to share, but please do sign up so that we know how many of you are coming, and you can sign up on the patio. The first one of those is next Sunday evening. Our summer choir welcomes everyone to sing with them. They are going to begin two weeks from today, and you just come that morning and rehearse, and then you sing in the service. I do it a lot of times. It's a great experience. Also, next Sunday morning in adult education, we are showing the film Alive Inside. It is an award-winning film about the power of music to heal, particularly to heal people who have memory loss. It is an amazing film, and it's a little more than an hour, so plan to stay a little past 11. It's at 10 o'clock over in our parlor. Also, our Vacation Bible School is asking for people to make donations of some things that they need. They have some cards out there on the patio. You can take one and bring one of those things that they've said that they need to have for Vacation Bible School. This morning, our flowers are in uh, honor of the 50th anniversary of Art and Rini Fenwick. They were in first service today. Yeah, 50 years. And we welcome our children with us in worship today, and we're going to be able to uh, celebrate children with a baptism and also with a children's sermon today. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Oh Lord, see our hearts as we gather before you, some so full of joy, some so heavy with our own losses and with the pain of the world. We are a world in need of your grace. We pray for our brothers and sisters of Mother Emanuel AME Church as they gather for worship in Charleston today. Give comfort, give healing, give justice. Strengthen them in the difficult days ahead. We thank you that your love encompasses our broken world and our own lives. That before we were even born, you knew and loved every one of us. On this Father's Day, we thank you for the glimpses of your love that we've seen in human love, for the love of fathers and mothers, for the love of children and grandchildren, for the love of friends, for the love of your people. So give us grace as we join our hearts before you this morning, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
We join in our call to worship from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Church, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Let us stand and worship God.
in and see the church in worship, how they love each other, how they love each other. Surely God is in this place. And they will too say, how great, how great is their God. May they see that in our lives, O oh Lord. May you be honored in this place by all that we say and by all that we do, by all that we sing, by the way we love each other. Be glorified. Amen. Be seated, church. When we come to confession, we are starting to discover what it really is to be a disciple of Jesus. So let us enter this time together. Brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, let us present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. May our love be genuine. Let us hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Let us love one another with mutual affection and to outdo one another in showing honor. And so we come before God as disciples of Jesus, as individuals and a community, to tell the truth about ourselves. So pray with me. Almighty God, 
We confess how hard it is to be your people. We confess how hard it is to do what we have just heard sung. You have called us to be the church, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ to our lonely and confused world. Yet we acknowledge we are more apathetic than active, isolated than involved, callous than compassionate, obstinate than obedient, legalistic than loving. Gracious Lord, have mercy upon us and forgive our sins. Remove the obstacles preventing us from being your representatives to a broken world. Awaken our hearts to the promised gift of your indwelling spirit. Remove the obstacles preventing us from being your representatives in a broken world. And so we sing together. Soften our hearts. Soften our hearts, soften our hearts. Hear our silent confessions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he, for he knows, knows how we were made. 
he remembers that we are dust. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. We've been preaching through the book of Romans, and this morning we come to chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The past two months has been a roller coaster of highs and lows in our house. It was just about the end of May that my husband Dave's sister absolutely healthy, so on a great trip to go and see the graduation of her oldest uh, grandchild from college in Colorado. And when they got to St. George, Utah, she fell ill, went to emergency, developed sepsis, and never left the hospital. She passed away, and about three weeks ago, we gathered with her family at their home in Santa Barbara to surround them in their weeping, her husband, her four adult children, her nine grandchildren, and her three siblings that survived. Then two weeks ago, I gave two retirement parties for Dave, who just retired after 45 years of teaching math at Corona Del Mar High School. School ended this week. The parties were great fun. We had a wonderful celebration. Immediately after them, most of us left town to go be with my dad for his 99th birthday. Now that sounds like a celebration, but you know there's a downside to being 99. And it was actually very hard to be with him and to see how diminished he is and how most of the time he was unable to even wake up and realize that we were there with him that day. A few days later, our three-year-old granddaughter came to stay with us without her parents. What happens at grandma's stays at grandma's, you know. (laughs) So we had quite a time. I took her many places, and we had a lot of fun playing together, and many naps were had, and not only by the three-year-old. So I understand for all anew why God gives small children to people who are young enough to be able to run as fast as they can run. because I certainly can't. There were a few opportunities for her to play with other children that she didn't know before um, while she was here. And I discovered during that time something that I thought rather summarized the way she plays with other children. The toddler's rules of possession. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I saw it first, It's mine. You're getting the refrain here. If you are playing with it and you put it down, it's mine. If it is broken, it's yours. (laughs) Many of you you have seen the the pictures of our adventures on Facebook. I, I find that an easy way to share the joys and the sorrows of our family. Um, I keep up with lots of people that I haven't seen for 30 years, like college uh, roommates, because of the stuff that they post on Facebook, and I find out about babies being born and children being married and grandchildren and all sorts of bragging things that probably get a little bit bigger when they post them on Facebook than the events really exactly are. It seems like it's an easy place to, to post things like that and to kind of give a bit of a brag. 
But it's also a lot easier to post on Facebook something like, my mother died yesterday, rather than to have to say it to you in person where you can see somebody's tears. It just seems like there's a human need to be able to share things that happen to us, whether they're great things or whether they're losses and sorrows. Um, there is an old Swedish proverb that says, a shared joy is a double joy, and a shared sorrow is half a sorrow. Many of us come to this congregation and find it to be a place where we can share joys and sorrows, a group of people who surround us in the highs and the lows of life. Today we celebrate a baptism. We often celebrate in this place the joy of a marriage or a baptism or last week graduation of so many of our kids. It's also a place where we celebrate not only for us but for people in the larger community the passing of life, many memorial services. It's as though we've become for the extended family of many of us in the church and also for the city at large, an emotional home where we can celebrate the good things and where we can grieve together. Um, I went to Jerry's Bible study this week on Wednesday. Often when I preach, I go to see what he thinks about the text that I'm going to preach. And he said, we want this to be a place of blessing that supports life in all its stages that surrounds us with human love and surrounds us with God's love. It's also a place where we grieve with the larger world, sometimes with the community, sometimes with what is going on in our, in our country, like the shooting at the AME Church this week, or with the larger world, like the, like the Nepal earthquake. It's a place where we can bring the sorrows of the world before the Lord, too. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, some of these very same words, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. He said the reason that we do that is because it's like a picture of a body. We belong to one another in Jesus Christ like a body is one. So if my toe hurts, all of me hurts. If you hurt, I hurt too. When you celebrate, I celebrate too because we are connected, not only as a family, but as though we are a body. You could say, my bones hurt because of you. In the Presbytery of Los Ranchos, we have an African-American new church development that meets in Orange on Saturday nights. Because of the shooting and at the AME Church this week, a number of us uh, received uh, the message that the Presbytery was trying to gather as many other people there as possible to just be alongside our sisters and brothers of that church in their grief over the shooting. Um, there were six of us from Laguna who came, and about 50 of us from the Presbytery who came just to be there with people, not particularly to say anything, but just to be with them. Uh, the pastor, Jeanetta Goodjoin, is very good friends with one of the women who was shot with Sharonda Coleman Singleton. Um, she had a long history with her. And a friend of hers, an Anglo pastor friend of hers, Lisa, said to Shanetta going into the service, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And Shanetta said, 
just sit by me in the front row. Just be with me. That's all I need from you. We didn't know if the service would be a big service of lament or just what would happen. But in fact, they decided to, yes, pray about, grieve over, and give to God the losses of the week, but also to go ahead and celebrate Father's Day as they had already planned to do, to be able to say, hate will not win, which was the overwhelming message of what they were doing last night. I have wondered what was going on in the congregations that Paul wrote to when he had to tell them to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me, but he did have to say it to congregation after congregation after congregation. What was their life like? They couldn't just get that, but of course you would do that. I was, as I was thinking about it this week, I was realizing the diversity that would have been in those early congregations. Surely there were people in the congregation in Rome, in the congregation in other places that were slaves, still slaves, that were free. There would be people who were Jews. There would be people who were Gentiles. There would be people who were Roman soldiers who had come to know Jesus Christ and were now a part of the church all of those other people, too. I can imagine how hard it might be for the Roman soldier, for example, to be able to grieve over the losses and maybe the mistreatment of a slave. How hard it might be, say, for a slave to be able to rejoice if a Roman soldier, say, got a promotion. Even though Christ had made them one, even though they were one body, their social situations were just so very different for them to be able to join in the emotional life of one another must have been much more difficult than it is for us. Caring for one another in Jesus Christ across all of those natural social boundaries because God knit us together and because Jesus came and shared our joys and our sorrows when he was here on earth and continues to do that now. John, the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus started his ministry at a wedding. He started it celebrating and, in fact, was probably the life of the party because he made more wine for the party. He knew how to celebrate, to enjoy, and to have a good time with friends and to rejoice with them over things like babies being born, as well as marriages. He also, the very last thing that he did in his public ministry, before that day that we call Palm Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem, the very last thing we see him doing is weeping at the tomb of his very good friend, Lazarus, weeping with Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. He joined his friends in their joy, and he joined his friends in their grief. He cared so deeply about us that he entered into our world and shared our joys and our sorrows. Now, we know how to do a celebration. We are very good at that, actually. It's the grief part that's not so easy. We so often don't really know what to do. A friend of mine, a Presbyterian pastor, Beverly Weinhold, lives in Louisville, 
and she specializes in grief ministry. She works as a therapist now. And she said that when we talk about the pain in our lives, oftentimes the word to use for it is loss. Sure, it could be the loss through death, but there's also the loss of divorce, the loss of leaving a job, the loss of the estrangement of a child, the loss of moving away from a place, the loss of health, as my dad has, and that the emotional response to loss is grief, just as much as the response to a sudden, uh, a sudden danger would be adrenaline rush. You can't avoid grief any more than you can avoid your body having a rush of adrenaline when you're in a dangerous situation. Grief's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of lack of faith. It's just a sign that you have had loss you can't live above it. You have to go through it. In fact, avoiding grief often makes it last longer. And people who don't deal with grief, they find out it comes back and bites them, often many years later. Some years ago, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross standardized the stages of grief, told us there were five stages that people go through. Nowadays, they find that, yeah, that's true, but mostly we kind of go back and forth. We don't make a straight line through those stages. That no two people grieve exactly alike. It will be different for each one of us. Yes, time heals. Yes, cards that people send heal, and you're really good at that. Yes, just being there. Heals. But one of the most important things that they find is really bringing healing is the ability to tell your own story again and again, to tell it to yourself, and also to have somebody else listen to your story. Even though grief is by its very nature a lonely thing, sometimes grieving doesn't get done because there's just nobody to listen to you. Now, I realize that sometimes there's a point at which you're not ready to talk about what's going on with you, whether it's a joy or whether it's a loss. Um, two years ago this August, my mother died, and that was two days before I needed to preach. Jerry was on vacation. Steve was on vacation. Uh, Beth and I were the only worship staff that were here, and I realized, as I talked to her about it, first of all, there was nobody else to preach. There was no other option. I needed to make this happen. Um, I realized, as we talked about it, I couldn't tell you that my mother died and then be able to gather myself enough to still be able to preach the sermon. But as we talked, we thought that you should know that she had died. So what we decided to do was at the very end of the service, Beth told you that my mother had died and said, and don't talk to her about it because she's not ready to talk yet. And you were great. You didn't. Actually, she said, talk to her about her granddaughter because she can always do that. And it was wonderful because I just wasn't ready. In life and in death, we belong to God. But sometimes in grief, people feel close to God. And sometimes in grief, they feel abandoned by God. Bev Weinhold says, don't confuse feeling abandoned by God with 
being abandoned by God. In some mysterious way, God is there grieving with you and suffering with you in the midst of whatever is going on. A friend of mine, when she sees tragedies, often asks, where is God in that? And I've started saying to her, what do you think it would look like for God to be there? What, what, what do you want that to look like? Is it going to look like all the bad stuff didn't happen? What, what's it going to take for you to realize that God might be there? And we began to realize that probably what that means is that it would be some of God's people being there, taking care of the people who have lost, showing God's love, embracing other people with the love of Jesus. We love because he loved us first. We love because that's the kind of God that we serve. When we show caring, we are an extension of Jesus' ministry, of listening, of holding other people. Sheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook, age 35, Author of, I'm sorry, 45, author of Lean In. You may have read it. It's a book about women executives. She and her husband, Mark uh, Rosenberg, were on, Goldberg, were on vacation last month. He was age 47, and he suddenly died on vacation. Her Facebook essay about her grief has gone viral. When she said that it did help her to go back to work fairly quickly. But when she went back to work, she said, I realized that when they looked at me, many of my coworkers had a look of fear in their eyes. I knew why. They wanted to help, but they weren't sure how. Should I mention it? Should I not mention it? And if I mention it, what do I say? As Sandberg invited them to talk to her and to ask questions, one colleague admitted that she'd been driving by Sandberg's house, not sure whether she should come in or not. Another said that he was paralyzed with fear whenever he was around her because he was afraid he would say the wrong thing. And Sandberg herself said, I never knew what to say when others were in need. She said she also realized how important the support network was of people who would just be with her, of people who would say to her, I will continue to be here. A woman who was so competent, who was so able to take care of things, realized how very much she needed people in her loss. Someone else has said, if you must speak, don't tell me you know how I feel. Don't, you can tell me instead that you are sorry for our pain. You can say that you love us. You can tell us that you will pray for us and ask what we need and how you can help us today because it probably will change from day to day. May we as a congregation, may we as individuals grow more and more to be able to be the ears of Christ to listen to one another, the arms of Christ to embrace one another, 
to embrace the needs of the world. May we continue to grow in learning how to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks that in life and in death we belong to you. That in Jesus Christ you enter into the hurt of our world, into our bottomless weakness that you draw close to our powerlessness. How grateful we are for the places where you allow us to see your love and care breaking through into our present lives and the world around us. For the places where you bring healing and reconciliation and peace, which will one day be complete when your kingdom comes in its fullness. Give us courage to be your people and to extend your love and care. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. We bring to the Lord our morning offering. Hear my cry, O Lord, the gates of death. My body is weak and I lost all.
in your presence, we sing with joy. In your presence, we sit here on behalf of the world. And we lift up our cries, our, our laughter. We weep our tears. We give thanks because we have come to know your love. We are so grateful that heaven rejoices when one sinner is found and restored to the family. And so in this hour, all the burdens of our life, the persons, the faces, the names that flood through our hearts, we lift to you. Some of those, some of those deep cries are about joy and fulfillment and goodness and accomplishment and affirmation. Others of those thoughts are of tears, of pain, of suffering. We know that we're a part of a connectional body that reaches around the world and that the people of God are present to support one another, to pray for one another, to give ourselves to one another. We thank you that you are a God who loves a cheerful giver. So it is out of the work of our lives, the labors of our love, the guidance of the Spirit, the discernment of your will that we present these gifts this morning and pray that the laughter and the tears of your people will be shed around through us and that this will be a center of healing, of wholeness, of reconciliation, of welcome to whosoever will desires to come to you. Bless us, we ask, as we bless one another. And we pray in the name of, of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our song is a benediction, actually. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And we need some people who would be willing to not hold your bulletin, who would be willing to do the claps as marked. So let us sing together. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace.
I thought she was going to say we need someone who will dance. I'm there. Maybe second service, that'll happen. Who knows? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.